Climate change is no longer a topic that can be set aside for a discussion further down the road. But that's not the important question. The big question remains, what is the most effective roadmap to get us closer to net zero emissions fast without disrupting free trade too much? Just two months ago at the G7 summit, leaders of the world's richest countries stressed the importance of carbon pricing in order to reach this goal. But it's not that simple. For instance, hefty carbon taxing on companies that lack immediate shift in infrastructure can also push export-reliant companies into debt beyond repair. So let's get a closer look at this EU-led carbon border tax. We're joined on the line today by Professor Kim Byung-ju from the Hankook University of Foreign Studies. Good morning, Professor Kim. Good morning. All right, let's start out with the basics for our listeners that may be unaware. Uh, two weeks ago, the Bank of Korea released a report arguing that the new Carbon Border Adjustment Mechanism, also known as CBAM, will reduce Korea's exports to Europe. Korea Federation of Industries and the Korea Automobile Manufacturers Associations all came out opposing the new EU action. So what exactly is this and how does it work? Yeah, uh, the Carbon Border Tax or CBAM uh, carbon border adjustment mechanism that the EU is trying to introduce uh, is raising concerns around the world, uh, those exporting countries indeed. But at the same time, it's raising uh, not necessarily excitement, kind of, but however, uh, you know, like, uh, what do you call it? Those people who have been supporting the causes for working for climate change cooperation, mm. they are pleased to see these kind of specific actions mm. taking place. Mm. Uh, to answer your question, you know, what is CBAM? is or carbon border tax is uh let's say first of all we know that eu has been leading the global climate cooperation even when the united states was out of the picture for the last four years under donald trump eu still continued to work on this and uh, uh, before donald trump of course there was a paris agreement 2015 Mm -hmm. where the world all together including the united states agreed to work on you know um specific uh, measures in terms of reducing uh, carbon emissions. Mm. And uh, altogether, so uh, the the EU now, what it's trying to do is, okay, they're taking actions to reduce, uh, you know, carbon emissions. And one of the major things is uh, the use use of what they call cap and trade. They Mm. impose, you know, the amounts companies or countries can uh, emit the the greenhouse gases they can emit. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, if you go over that, you have to uh, uh, buy rights from others who can actually reduce further than what they're required to. And so they're, they're trading these rights of emissions. And uh, in doing so, these companies, you know, European uh, steelmakers, for instance, mm-hmm. automakers, uh, you name it, uh, all these manufacturers, mm-hmm. they're, they're, uh, they're spending money on this in order to reduce emissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's costing them, right? All right. And what's happening is as European companies are working harder on this, uh, in their own view, it creates kind of like a, a un- uncompetitive atmosphere for them, or for them because they're uh, spending more money to produce their cars and steels. And because so they have on. to pay they're, extra taxes. Uh, but, right. but if, let's say, it was cheaper to import cars that didn't yes. have to pay these carbon tax overseas, Absolutely. it would be unfair. Right, exactly. So in that case, uh, 
when imports are cheaper than what they produce, uh, you know, they lose the incentive to continue to do so. So mm-hmm. the recognition is that, okay, European countries, they got together and they said, okay, we are going to create a, a fair playground here. Mm-hmm. And we want to, at the same time, encourage other uh, companies outside of EU to do things to reduce their emissions. So these companies, if they they spend money to reduce emissions, they're going to recognize it. But those companies that they do not so, or the gap, gap mm. between what European companies are spending on one hand and these companies are spending on the other, the gap will be charged as the tax. So mm. let's say other countries, you know, they try as hard as European Union, uh, you know, countries, they don't have to pay this tax. But if your country does nothing and your company does nothing to reduce, you have to pay that gap as carbon uh, border adjustment tax, they say. So that that's the main idea here we're talking about. So clearly, as you've said, Professor Kim, it's a big win, it seems, for the environmentalists. For the immediate future, though, it does look and read like a trade barrier to a certain extent. So what did the Bank of Korea report say recently on the potential impact on Korea? And how does it actually compare to other countries? Yeah, in terms of Bank of Korea's estimate, there are, there have been different reports talking about this uh, possible uh, burden that Korean companies will have to bear. And Bank of Korea report is just one of the latest ones. And what they're saying is uh, the cost of export to Europe for Korean companies will increase about half percent. Uh, some people will say, oh, well, half percent, is that really big, big right. deal? The thing is, when other countries join, uh, it will become a big deal. Mm-hmm. So Bank of Korea said for Euro- uh, exports to Europe, a half percent, and the exports to the United States, if if indeed the United States take a similar action, uh, more than half percent will be, uh, you know, so altogether it will be more than one percent. And then exports to, to other countries, they'll all continue to add up. So this is a kind of like upward uh, scale we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So therefore... Uh, economies like Korea that relies heavily upon manufacturing, this is uh, indeed serious uh, problem. With regard to European CBAM, uh, Carbon Border Adjustment Mechanism, uh, countries around the world and experts recognize Korea is not is, is not on the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Among the countries, they will be uh, in, uh, affected the, the most. Mm-hmm. Of course, they say Russia, Turkey, China. UK now, outside of EU, UK will be affected big time too. So they should be happy about it. They chose to, to get out of it. And, and the Ukraine. So these are other countries uh, that, that will be affected even more heavily than Korea. But however, Korea is one of the manufacturing powers in the world. And of course, uh, we are very much concerned. And in fact, uh, Federation of Korean Industries, mm-hmm. the organization that represents travel companies here in Korea, mm-hmm. uh, came out mm-hmm. asking for exemption right. from Korea right. in the EU's case. Right. And uh, KAMA, Korean Automobile Manufacturers Association, they also came out saying mm-hmm. we need an exemption here. The thing is, uh, from in, in reaction to these calls for exemptions, what experts have been saying is, okay, if we don't do anything here in Korea and ask for exemptions, it will make us look funny. Uh, Korea is, <laughs> depending, on, depending on your estimates, but Korea is either world's uh, seventh or eighth emitter, largest emitter of greenhouse gases. Right. It's one of the uh, largest industrial power. So uh, we got to do something about this. And they say, uh, these experts and professionals, if 
the, the, the way the CBAM works is if you do enough work at home, mm. uh, that's deducted from this carbon border tax. So right. uh, they're saying it's time for Korea to take actions right. to be proactive on this. That way uh, we can really reduce the burden on this carbon tax side when we deal with European countries. And it seems that it is very much in line with President Moon's policies to go green and to support these green infrastructures and these future technologies and, and ways to power things and so on forth. So you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, but uh, the tricky question is, can we do mm-hmm. it fast? And, and uh, well, how much will it cost us immediately, right? Right, indeed. Now, about a... Uh, yeah, sure, go on. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I was going to talk about what Korea is going to do, but uh, mm. uh, in terms of what Korea can do about this, they have been different different ideas so far, mm-hmm. as, as we know. And a few days ago, uh, the three scenarios mm. that was announced by this special committee that was set up, uh, let's say, at the beginning of this year, I suppose, mm-hmm. following President Moon Jae-in's announcement uh, last October, saying Korea is going to go for net uh the carbon neutrality net zero 2050 what that means is by year 2050 korea is going to produce in terms of net amount uh zero uh, greenhouse gases mm-hmm. meaning mm-hmm. that we will continue to emit some but that we will reduce others as well so we will we'll make it uh neutral mm-hmm. zero level and that that agree, uh, that announcement came out october last year like any other country most of the major countries made those, those net zero uh, pledges, mm-hmm. uh, you know, recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it has something to do with Biden administration coming to White House, the United States coming back to the table of climate change cooperation and so on. So anyway, Korea has participated in this. And, and, and in order to follow up with that action, Korea has set up a special committee of the experts about how do we, uh, how are we going to pursue this? Mm-hmm. And a few days ago, uh, this committee announced uh, three scenarios, mm-hmm. and there are uh, different uh, paths through this. And, uh, you know, like a, a scenario number three is where Korea actually achieves net zero and uh, carbon neutrality, mm-hmm. uh, where we will, in order to do so, we will have to increase the renewables use up to 70%, over 70% of the energy use. Mm-hmm. You know, like 70% in comparison with the, the other 30 will be filled up with, uh, let's say, what, uh, um, some of the nuclear power mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and some uh, other means of power generation. Mm-hmm. And so, but there are uh, scenario number one and number two where Korea will continue to produce mm-hmm. uh, in, in net amount. Like a scenario number one, Korea is going to produce like 24.5 million tons per year. Mm-hmm. And then scenario number two, 18.7 million tons mm-hmm. of greenhouse gases per year. And so people were surprised. Korea is going to go on producing these uh, greenhouse gases despite uh, President Moon Jae-in's pledges. Right. The, the trick here is that uh, whatever Korea produces, this amount, Korea is going to capture all according to the plan. Uh, I don't know whether we're going to do it or not. But, <laughs> but that's the plan we will, anyhow. <laughs> yeah, we will produce 24 million tons of greenhouse gases, but we'll capture them and then keep them somewhere under the ocean or under the ground, whatever. whatever. So there are all these interesting plans going on uh, that are being announced, but there are a lot of doubts and pessimism mm. uh, along with uh, optimistic excitement and so on. So Korea is doing a lot of stuff. 
Okay. There are disputes. So these plans do seem always a little bit more ambitious. Even when, you know, I think global leaders sat together to sign the Paris Agreement, it seemed that the initiative had a clear idea, but it was very ambitious to say the least. Now, so of course, critics are, you know, raising concerns about these scenarios. What did they have to say so far? Uh, the the Korea scenarios, yeah. uh, the three scenarios, uh, biggest problem is uh, renewables. Uh, mm. You know, uh, this Moon government came in with a pledge to to reduce nuclear power generation mm-hmm. back in what uh, 2017, mm-hmm. 2018. The thing is, uh, there has been a lot of uh, discussion and disagreements about uh, the rise of renewable energy. We're talking about solar energy mm. and wind. Uh, mm-hmm. turbine and so on, mm-hmm. and the reduction of uh, the increased use of renewables and then the reduced use of nuclear power. And that continues to be the center of the debate when these three scenarios were announced. As I mentioned, the third scenario where Korea achieves net zero carbon production, renewables will count up to over 70% mm-hmm. of entire energy use, while Scenario number one, 57%. Number two, about 60%. So these are ambitious ones. And critics of Moon government are saying, look, Korea is not a country where we have lots of sunshine or lots of wind. Mm, mm. And this is a natural mm. condition we are talking about. Mm-hmm. And without lots of sunshine and uh, lots of wind, uh, how how can you achieve this? Right. Are you a god or something? You're going to let the wind <laughs> blow all of a sudden and then let the sunshine how do you, you know, sunshine more than before? <laughs> right, right. So so you you got to fill the gap. And mm. people are saying the critics of Moon government are saying the nuclear power energy, uh, nuclear power generation, the technology of it has been. Uh, improving quite dramatically over the years. Okay. Now, uh, what they're saying, the small-scale module reactors, what they call, is getting really, really popular. These are really safe, like standalone nuclear reactor. If something happens to the natural disaster, mm. it can just disconnect, but nothing comes out of this module thing. Uh, okay. So it's a kind of a capsule. And so they have this new technology that countries like United States and and all the major powers, like even Saudi Arabia, is getting mm. uh, really excited about. And okay. we have to open our eyes about the innovative future use of nuclear power and then fill the gap using that. But the thing is, critics are saying President Moon Jae-in has made a pledge against the use of nuclear energy. Mm. They They lost the flexibility to use to fill the gap. So that's the main uh, point of argument, criticism. All right. Uh, Professor Kim, I do have to ask you, because this is also an important time in local politics at home. Are presidential Mm -hmm. candidates also talking about uh, similar measures or addressing this carbon border tax? Oh, yeah, indeed. Uh, In Korea, uh, you know, like I guess I would have to be let's be fair. The People Power Party, the main opposition, relatively speaking, they're quiet. Mm-hmm. They're not saying much. Uh, this is the conservative party that speaks for the business, mm-hmm. usually, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't. But the thing is that the, the rest of the, the political landscape, they've been actively talking about this, indeed. For example, the forerunner uh, on the side of the ruling party, Lee Jae-myung, mm-hmm. the governor of Gyeonggi province, he has announced his plan for net zero, uh, you know, the the pathway and mm-hmm. he talks about ETS emissions trading system mm-hmm. ways to further strengthening. We we have a cap and trade system here too, but it has not been working out really well. But but he has two plans, 
he has plans to strengthen it. And then he also talks about the idea of uh, carbon tax. And, and he's basically saying, okay, let's, let's use this carbon tax stuff in order to be proactively dealing with what's happening outside the world. So that's, his idea is, he's an other's idea, the idea that he borrows from others is that mm. if we pay carbon tax here actively, you don't have to pay tax in Europe. So why not paying mm. tax to Korean government rather than European government? So instead right? of benefiting the European government, because they will also be collecting massive taxes, pay taxes at right. home and benef- basically kill two birds with one stone at home. Exactly, then, okay. exactly. And he said, right. we're going to use this revenue to create a better balanced uh, national economy, blah, blah, blah. So so he has very proactive idea. And another runner, for instance, mm-hmm. Park Yong-jin uh, mm-hmm. within the Democratic Party, he had similar ideas. And even Chumye, another presidential candidate within the De- Democratic Party, she has been talking about mm-hmm. uh, similar proposals in this presidential race. So we indeed, we do have on the progressive side, ruling party side, we have people talking about it pretty actively. And then in addition to that, for the proactive uh, part of for the progressive politicians like uh, the, the members of the Justice Party, mm-hmm. in the, for instance, uh, they have actually introduced some the, the legal draft mm-hmm. of changing laws to introduce proactive carbon taxes at the National Assembly, even though because these are minor parties, those drafts are not being talked about it actively at this point. But I think the trend is we will uh, get to the point where we will proactively talk about this because, particularly because of the idea that Yizemian borrowed from others, saying that why not paying carbon taxes here in Korea if we have to pay overseas? And an overall global trend is countries like the United States, Europe, European Union, and even Canada and Japan, they're all getting into this. Mm-hmm. So looks like we are we are heading towards that direction at this point. All right, Professor Kim, I feel like we barely scratched the surface with carbon border tax. I'm sure we'll have plenty of future opportunities to discuss it further. But thank you so much for the insight and the conversation this morning. Thank you very much. We'll speak to you again in a few weeks. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.